0: ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Thursday, June 15th. Your Drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan, here until 6 o'clock. We're going to get your text in this hour. It's 304 396 talk. That's 304 396 8255 to be a part of today's edition of the drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We got a lot to get into today. Today was the day. It's official. It's the worst kept secret. Last few weeks, Marshall softball losing Megan Smith Lyon. She resigned today to accept the same role at her school, University of North Carolina. She's going home. That was some of the messaging I saw today on social media. She's going home. And why wouldn't she? It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for her. She gets to go home. She gets to go back to where it started for her, where she's been trying to work her way back to. And I was listening to her in an interview earlier today with – North Carolina's play-by-play announcer, or one of them, and she basically said, hey, look, I left a good place. That was the good thing. I left a good place. But yeah, you know, this, this is home for her. So she has an opportunity to be home, try to revitalize the program at North Carolina. Unfortunately for Marshall, losing a few players. We know Marshall is going to have to address some holes in the roster once a new coach is named. So she's leaving, Coach Megan Smith-Lyon's leaving, and a couple of key players, starters, first-teamers, Autumn Owen and Alex Coleman entering the transfer portal. And I think it gets overlooked that Brianna Godfrey also entered the transfer portal. But the big names, of course, will be Autumn Owen and Alex Coleman. You can't replace them. You're just going to have to try to bring someone in of of almost equal caliber, someone that can bring you some offense, bring you some defense, bring you some leadership. You're going to have to just try to find the next versions of them. You'd like to have them around. But, honestly, I'm surprised we haven't heard more as far as the transfer portal is concerned. We might now that this is official. We might. And I'm kind of curious, do you move quickly? And I say that because are you going to try to bring someone in as quickly as you possibly can to try to retain the players you have and try to keep the momentum you have? It was a almost a storybook season. The only thing that would have made it perfect was Marshall getting the postseason. That's the only thing that would have made it better. It was, and I know we use the term historic season, but Marshall did a lot of amazing things with Megan Smith Lyon. So we're going to get into that more. I want to get your thoughts, 304-396-TALK, 304 396 Definitely want to hear from you on this one today. Some of the names that have been thrown out there, coaching-wise, what have you heard? Of course, there's a big push for Morgan Zirkel, one of Marshall's all-time greats. Bring her up, elevate her from assistant coaching status. She's at Miami right now. So if you bring her in, you elevate her to coaching the Thundering Herd head coach. Is she ready for the position? I know there was a strong case made by a couple of people in other places that she would be the person you would have to call and bring in. So is she the right fit? Or do you look elsewhere? Do you bring someone in that has a proven track record as a head coach, bring them in to Marshall to try to continue that success that they're known for? You look at someone at maybe a lower – I don't know. Do you bring someone up from a lower division that's having monster success? You did it in women's basketball. You elevated Kim Stevens from D2 to D1. You're giving her the opportunity to prove herself at the next level. Do you bring another coach in from a lower level that's having a lot of success, looking for their first opportunity at a Division I school, but they come in with history, they come in with experience, they come in with a track record? Do you go that route? Do you try to find someone a little bit more connected to the program? And, again, it would be a good hire if you hire Morgan Zirkle. I don't think anyone would fault the hire. I don't think anyone would question the hire if this is the name. But I'm asking for an honest, intellectual response here. Do you elevate someone who hasn't been a head coach, to take over the Marshall program, or do you try to bring someone in that has head coaching experience, knows how to run a high-level program, and looking to maybe help Marshall get over the hump, push Marshall Past, and it's not that big of a hill to climb, but push Marshall over that hump to get Marshall to the next level, and I mean NCAA appearances, and then winning in the NCAA, and maybe competing for a championship. Those are the next goals for Marshall. Marshall has the history of success, but you want to take it to the next level. So that's a big question. When you bring a coach in for this, What are you looking for? What are you fundamentally looking for in a coach when you bring someone in to take over a successful program? And we're not talking about a rebuild here. We're talking about a successful program. Now, with the transfer portal, every year feels like a rebuild. Every year feels like you're bringing someone new in. But you're not bringing a coach in to try to rebuild or reinvent the wheel here. You bring someone in to try to take it to the next level. Completely different with what you're doing with some of your other coaching changes. Marshall, right now, at last count, four coaching changes or coaching change opportunities. And baseball, Jeff Wagner, no longer with the program. You bring in Coach Beals. You have a new, brand new baseball facility that's going to be ready next year. And you want to bring someone in who has experience at a high level trying to rebuild a baseball program. Can you rebuild something that truly never was built up in the first place? You're going to have to – you're almost building it from scratch with a new facility, with a new coach. You're, You're going to see, I'm sure, a lot of players coming out of the transfer portal to try to beef up the roster. And then with women's basketball, Tony Kemper. He takes an opportunity sort of similar to what Megan Smith Lyon is doing, taking an opportunity to go back home, and so that opens up the door. You have an opportunity to bring a coach in, a young but experienced coach in Kim Stevens, a coach that has won at a high level in Division II, won the national championship, knows how to run a program. Now you give her an opportunity to take it to the next level at Division I, and she also has a lot of in-state ties She's somebody that's young and energetic. She's going to bring a new energy to women's basketball. But women's basketball, not a total rebuild. Good foundation. Track and field. We won't even know until that hire is made what direction the program will go. Jeff Small, longtime coach. Longtime coach. Contract expires, and he's not brought back with the Thundering Herd, so the opportunity is open there. And now you have softball, and Again, we'll see what the philosophy here is. You elevate someone from Division Two for women's basketball with experience, head coaching experience. You bring someone in that has competed at a higher level for baseball that can possibly rebuild your program or build your program. Track and field, we'll find out soon. With women's softball, Morgan Zirkle's name's been brought up. Will it be the only name that comes up? Or will this be the one that we circle and go, okay, this is a slam dunk? I think with women's basketball, Kim Stevens' name came up constantly. I brought it up. And it seemed to be the slam dunk name. That is the name. You circle and go, okay, that's our name. We go get this person. This is the one that we want. We want to build a program around. Is there a name in softball that you can do that with? I'll give you an opportunity. Throw some names out there. Put your thinking caps on here. Or are you behind Morgan Zirkle being the next softball coach at Marshall University? And the text line is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Is she your candidate? If you were given the opportunity to have some major input on the next coaching hire at Marshall University, would you say, hey, it's got to be Morgan Zirkel? She has a history, she has a success level playing for Marshall, and she's working her way up the coaching ranks. This is her opportunity. It's got to go to her, or do you go elsewhere? Do you find someone that has more coaching experience, maybe has won at a lower division but at a high level, sort of like what Kim Stevens has done, Division Two national champion, Bring her in, see what she can do with Marshall, and build this program up. Text line 304 396 Talk, 304 396 That's where we start, and we'll do it with you when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our text line this hour is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. That's the number to be a part of today's program. Text again, 304-396-TALK. Texter writes in and says that they are a big fan of Morgan Zirkle, but don't want to risk the success of the program on a first-year head coach. That's an interesting take. You have a successful program at this point. You want to take it to the next level. It's bringing in a fresh set of eyes, new blood, someone looking to make a name for themselves, prove themselves as a head coach, and at the same time have the connection that a Morgan Zirkle has. Or do you bring someone in that maybe doesn't have that direct connection to Marshall University, maybe has a little bit more experience, more experience, if all things being equal, you would bring in Morgan. If things being equal with the candidates, I don't think you would choose a different assistant over her. You would bring someone in that has a little bit more experience. If you're going to do that and have them have a head coaching position and their resume, I mean, that's, that's my thought. If you're not going to go this direction, you bring someone in that maybe doesn't have that connection, doesn't have that that bond already and has a, a lot more of experience, has success, and can elevate the program to the next level. Maybe you bring Morgan Zirkle back, coach-in-waiting maybe. It's always good to bring a coach back after they've been successful elsewhere. Look at what North Carolina is doing. They're bringing bringing basically Morgan would be coming home and Marshall would be bringing her home the way that North Carolina is bringing Megan Smith-Lyon home. But the difference here is Megan has proven herself as a winning coach and has shown that she can elevate a program because let's be honest, softball I thought was in pretty good shape and then Shonda Stanton left. For a different opportunity. And then when Megan Smith Lyon came in, she elevated the program. Marshall had some success under her that was pretty, pretty good. And that doesn't take anything away from a beloved coach who did a lot of amazing things there. The program was in a good spot for a coach like Megan Smith Lyon to come in and to put her own fingerprint on it, put her own stamp on it, make it her own, and maintain that success and try to push it further, and she did a fantastic job. And, and if it wasn't for the fact that North Carolina came a calling, a place where home for her, if it wasn't for that fact, she'd probably still be your softball coach right now. With that said, I think what's going to happen or needs to happen, let me say that, what needs to happen is – I think you accelerate some plans for softball. If you've got plans in the work for softball as far as facility upgrades, anything like that, if you've got plans in the works, you accelerate those. You bump those up. You push those. You do what you need to do to maybe put some of that stuff on the forefront. If that's expanding seating capacity. And, of course, there's going to be some benefit from the baseball stadium being built right next to the softball field, though there will be benefits already. But if there's anything else that you kind of have on a wish list here, you might want to speed that up a little bit. Maybe you want to do a little bit more quickly with the softball program, or you want to do a little bit more than you already thought you were going to do. And and that includes, again, if that's seating, if that's better amenities, whatever. That's something that you could upgrade even further For the student-athletes that remain, the ones that will be coming in, and for the coach, if you can upgrade the facility even more and do some things that really will push that program even further as you try to attract a new coach, you might want to do that. And this might fast-track a few things. What were some of the complaints that we got when Alabama came to town, when Virginia Tech came to town? What were some of the big complaints? Seating. Seating, big complaint. Well, We hadn't seen surge seating like that in a long time, where people were showing up hours, hours ahead of time to watch a game. And so Marshall did its very best to make sure that everyone that came could watch the game, and there was a lot of standing room only, a lot of festival seating. So maybe you you throw that into the mix, like, okay, we're going to have to upgrade. We're going to have to do some things that bring us up to uh, standards of the Sun Belt To begin with, and maybe seating is going to help a little bit more with that. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. And this one's going to be interesting because we're going to be scrambling for, okay, looking at names that could potentially come back or come to Marshall, what would be the qualifications required to take this job? If you're just going to lay it all out, what are the qualifications? What are you looking for in a coach? Is there a coach out there that maybe could make the jump from where they're at now to Marshall and have everything that you want in a head coach for softball? You want someone that has a connection to the university? Do you want to have someone that has familiarity with Huntington, familiarity with the region? you want to bring someone in that has connections? Do you want to bring someone in that knows how to work the recruiting portal, the transfer portal? I think I said it right the first time, but you want to have someone that has that, all of those assets, someone that can come in and maintain and build upon And does it have to have a Marshall connection to it? Does the next coach of Marshall University softball have to have a connection to the university? Or are you okay with having someone come in, fresh eyes, no direct connection to the program, and that can come in and take Marshall to the next level? That's the question. Where do you look? When it comes to your next coach, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Or are we just kidding ourselves here? The job's going to be handed to Morgan Circle, And I don't mean handed as in she didn't earn it, meaning here. You want it. It's yours. You're the winner. You're the name we circle. We have circled your name. You are the home run hit. We want you to take the job. talk 304-396-8255. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930, Thursday, June 15th edition. We always make time for your text. We do that at 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. Yesterday was a fun show. We talked about a couple of things, including Marshall's financial picture. We saw the latest USA Today NCAA Finances report, and it was good for Marshall from the standpoint that the total revenue came in at almost $40 million. and... If you do the math, this doesn't count in the standings, but if you just do the math, Marshall will be fifth highest among all current Sunbelt programs. And that's pretty good. And we looked at where a lot of that money was coming from yesterday. And a lot of it was coming from institutional support, which is that's okay. That's all right. If that's where your funding makes sense That is where it's going to come from. And that's how you get it done. But if you look at the numbers, you want to see, I think, honestly, I think you want to see Marshall pick up in a couple of areas. Because ticket sales revenue, that was down. Licensing revenue was down. Student fees up, institutional funds were up, and I would like to see Marshall be able to bring in revenue from different sources. Does that make sense? Or is that something where yeah, you don't care where it comes from as long as it comes somewhere, right? Because Marshall, there was a jump from 2020, which was the last set of numbers that were reported. go to 2022, and it's almost $40 million. Well, ticket sales were down. The money brought in. The revenue brought in from ticket sales down. Contributions up. Rights and licensing down. Student fees up. School funds up. Definitely, we like to see ticket sales improve. That's going to be a Great stream of revenue for the Thundering Herd if you can get ticket sales up. Obviously, you want to try to get contributions up, and contributions were up. And will that number continue with school funds? Will that number continue? And when we talked about it yesterday, school funds, and again, there's a formula to what these definitions mean. School funds, according to USA Today in this report, includes both direct and indirect support from the university, which includes state funds, tuition, tuition waivers, et cetera, as well as federal work-study amounts for student workers employed by Athletics Department. Also, it includes things like state, municipal, federal, and other appropriations for athletes, as well as the value of university-provided support, such as administrative services, facilities, grounds maintenance, security. These things count. Risk management. Utilities. These things count depreciation and debt service that is not charged to the athletics department. So I would like to see the numbers change a little bit in different directions, or at least that's where I think it should be. And again, I'm going to qualify this. I am not a financial expert by any stretch of the imagination. So just because I say I think it should be this way, I'm going to be honest with you. I could be completely wrong, and I will be glad to accept that. But that's what the numbers look like in this regard. How's it compared to the other Sunbelt schools? We talked about that yesterday. There was a good snapshot as far as where some of this money is comes from in comparison to some of the other schools in the Sun Belt. For revenue, and again, Marshall not necessarily getting all of its money from students like James Madison, because James Madison, its revenue was almost $58 million, but what percentage of student fees contributed to that? almost 79 percent old dominion almost 59 percent of their 53 million georgia state with their revenue of 45 million almost 46 million student fees attributed for almost 46 percent of that and then coastal carolina the other team that's ahead of marshall as far as revenue with $45,443,000 plus, student fees only accounted for 11.80%. But school funds, if you try to do the percentages here, it came up to almost 73% of school funds. Marshall, on the other hand, student fees only attribute a little over 17% of that number. That number, 17% plus, is attributed to student fees. Seven and a half percent ticket sales. So I'd like to see that number up. I mean, Southern Miss, their revenue is 28 million, and 11.70% of that is ticket sales. Now again, we can dig through these numbers, and we will. We will definitely dig through these numbers throughout the next few days and weeks because it's just fun to look at. It's it's absolutely fun to look at. But if you look at where Marshall ranks, Marshall, because, again, the numbers are reflective of the fiscal year while Marshall was in Conference USA. But Marshall comes in overall 82 in the country, 82nd. And Marshall in Conference USA came in at 5th compared to the other programs. Florida International was ahead of Marshall. Charlotte was ahead of Marshall. North Texas ahead of Marshall. In this survey, Old Dominion ahead of Marshall. And Marshall was just ahead of FAU and UAB. Marshall, financially, with these numbers, favored well against some of the other teams in Conference USA. And it favors well against some of the teams in the Sun Belt as well. To be fair, outside of Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, South Alabama, those had some really big numbers. Appalachian State's comparable. Texas State's comparable. Troy's a little under. I mean, Marshall's right there. Louisiana Monroe only had $19 That's not much. Arkansas Little Rock, looking at these numbers, because, again, this is reflective of the previous fiscal year. Arkansas Little Rock, when it was in the Sun Belt, 13 million. And Texas Arlington, 17 million. So if you look at the numbers now, Louisiana Monroe, not doing well. It's the lowest revenue getter in the league. Southern Miss is at 28, next to the bottom, Southern Miss at 28 million. And then, for the most part, with Georgia Southern all the way to Marshall, every school is in the 30 million plus range. The big four are in the upper 40s and 50s, Mark, except for James Madison, as I, as I illustrated. James Madison with $57 million in revenue. Our text lines 304 396, talk 304 396 8255. So, How did you react to this? You can find me on Twitter as well where I posted this link yesterday, and I'm on Twitter, at PaulSwan. So how did you react to the numbers? What did you think? One tweet says, Very big improvement. Marshall's heading in the right direction. Another tweeter gave me a different source of numbers, but seemed to be similar to last year. So, okay. Uh, good to see some different numbers here. Someone else, they said the ticket sale they, they echoed some of the things I echoed as far as ticket sales need to be higher. And there's a massive budget deficit. Highlighted that one. Five million more from institutional funds at a time when the school has a massive budget deficit. How does that make you feel? And I think I'm asking the wrong audience. Because... And let me back this up a little bit. Let me back this up a little bit. There's always going to be that divide between those are in academics and those are in athletics. There will be that divide. And I'm talking about professors, teachers, everyone that is purely on the educational side. It's going to be that divide. It's never going to be one big happy family because – There's always going to be, I don't want to say a stigma that university spends too much in different places. And I would say part of the money that comes in, a lot of stuff goes to athletics, right? A lot of people are donating to athletics. They're not going to donate to academics. They're donating to athletics, you're not going to see the level of perks you get for donating to the university for academics the way you would donating to the athletic department. Because a lot of people are donating to Marshall based on athletics only. They're not just going to go, you know what? If there wasn't a football team here, I think I'd be donating that to the university's athletic... I'm sorry... Academic ventures. No, that's not how that works. People who donate to the athletic department are donating specifically to the athletic department. Not going to be sending that money over to education. Would you like to see more of that? Absolutely. Are you going to see more of that? Never know. Is that why people are donating to Marshall? Not really. Not on the athletic side. They're, they're donating to boost the athletic program. And, of course... We also got into where things are with the IRS because these trusts, the ones that have set up and have come out and said, look, if you donate to this trust, and I'm speaking in generic terms here, so I don't want to hear back later on this. Uh, I'm saying this is Marshall, but you have these trusts set up and it's with the intention of, okay, if you give to this trust, if you give to this trust, it's, It's going to be don't you can you can you can deduct money. Yeah, tax. It's a donation. It's not charity. It's not charity. That's going to be the big issue coming down. It's not charity. And so there are a lot of people who have donated under the pretense that, okay, I'm I'm going to be able to deduct this because I'm giving to a charitable organization. No, you're giving to a, a organization that is putting cash in the pocket of student athletes that's what you're doing so that's going to be interesting to say the least how this comes down 304-396-TALK 304 396 this is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930 This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. That's the text line to be part of today's edition of The Drive on ESPN, 94.1 and AM 930. Big story of the day, as far as we're concerned, Megan Smith-Lyon officially taking the job as softball coach at the University of North Carolina. So she will be taking over a program which is basically going home for her. It's gotten to the point. I've been following some of the North Carolina social media accounts today just to see what they're talking about, how they're reacting to Coach Megan Smith-Lyon going home. And it's gotten to the point where Carolina softball, it's dropping the old photos of Coach Megan Smith-Lyon. In this tweet, not only did head coach Megan Smith-Lyon play for the Tar Heels, she was an assistant in 2004 and – there's a picture of Coach with a softball and glove, and then there is a picture of Coach, looks like she's coaching, and it's, I mean, we're we're going to get to the point where Carolina's softball is going to be dropping baby pictures of Coach Megan Smith lying here in Tar Heel gear soon. I think that's how excited they are about that. Again, our text line, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-TALK. 8255. Baseball action coming up tonight here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Yesterday, the Cubs beat the Pirates 10 6. Final game of the series tonight. 8.05 first pitch right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And uh, some of the Pirates fans in the building are still keeping the faith. Absolutely keeping the faith. I haven't spoken to the Grand Ball today, I didn't see him. But I know the Grand Poobah is definitely still behind the Pirates. Our, and I don't know how to describe him because he's sort of a jack of all trades. Our Christian Palmer does play-by-play for us for Huntington High School. And he he's works in the office as well. His wardrobe is all Pittsburgh Pirates colors. Every day he comes in a brand new color. Pittsburgh Pirates' colors. His wardrobe is Pittsburgh Pirates. His office has Pittsburgh Pirates and Pittsburgh paraphernalia in it. His water thermos, his mug, is whatever, whatever tumbler he has, it's Pittsburgh Pirates or Steelers' colors. He's got the faith. He's got the faith. You want fans like that that still have the faith. And the Pirates need a win. You can listen to it tonight, coming up eight oh five, right here on ESPN ninety four point one and AM nine thirty. The Reds beat the Royals seven to four, five straight for the Reds. Cincinnati has the day off, and then the Padres beat the Guardians five to nothing. That series is going to wrap up tonight eight forty. And Atlantic League action yesterday: Long Island beat the Charleston Dirty Birds two to nothing. The series wraps up tonight six thirty five. On Long Island. And the other thing that happened yesterday, not much impact for us, but it is for our news director, Bill Cornwell. Because deep down inside of him, deep down inside of him, he is a Kentucky Wildcat. You know him, you love him, he is uh, all about the thundering herd, but deep down inside of him, he is a Kentucky Wildcat there's a little kitten inside of him trying to get its way out. And we were talking today he was he was telling me about how excited he is for the schedule. Because you have the addition of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC in 2024. So the league announces football teams are going to play an eight-game conference schedule in the first year of this expanded footprint. Kentucky's going to face Auburn Georgia, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt at Kroger Field. And on the road, Kentucky go on the road and face Florida, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Texas. Texas on the road in 2024. The matchup with Texas will mark Kentucky's first meeting since 1951. That was in Austin, Texas. So Kentucky not faced off against Texas since 1951. The only thing that would make this more exciting, and again, if you know Bill, you love him. He's a little kitten inside. He's a little wildcat inside trying to get out. Oklahoma. That Kentucky-Oklahoma matchup should be fun for a lot of people. Who knew that schedule releases would be such an event? Who knew? The NFL... Again, always the NFL made it so that we are now excited about football schedules being announced in prime time. And I'm not talking about opponents because we kind of knew the opponents. It's when are they going to be played? We're excited for the announcement. Before it was just here's the press release, here's your schedule. You go and get the schedule poster. That was the event back in the day. That was the event. Go get the schedule poster. I had every single one of them up until a point. And I'm talking about Heard. I had all those posters. Every single one of them every year. Somebody would go out if I couldn't get it. Somebody would go out and get me the schedule poster. That was the that was the big deal. Now it's okay, prime time event. Let's unveil it made for TV. And the SEC is I'm telling you right now, the SEC is right there with the NFL because would we care if the Sun Belt schedule was announced like this? Would we care? Marshall fans would care about the Marshall schedule, but would we care collectively? I'm not sure. Then again, if you go to my um, if you go to my Twitter account, I'm in a conversation with some of the uh, other members of the uh, Sun Belt media, uh, rejoicing over the release of the football helmet schedule for the Sun Belt. I printed mine out. I'm not going to lie. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate everyone. If you want to keep up with me, I've made it easy. You can go to Twitter at Paul Swan. There's even a link on my Twitter bio that sends you to all the other places I'm at. Also, the podcast is available there. Have a great night, everyone. We'll talk tomorrow. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington. This is your radio home for Pittsburgh Pirates baseball. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.